You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. Good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 6 and uh, just kind of reiterate some of the things Brant said as you guys are turning. Man, there's a lot going on here at FC. A lot of great opportunities for you to serve, get involved, learn, grow, uh, get equipped in different areas of your life. Uh, Financial Peace University starts in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a great opportunity to grow. Um, Man Night, February 5th, as he just said. So what that night is going to be, guys, is this is like red meat and uh, some dude time, some good, like, here's what it means to be a, a, a godly man, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to put a lot of energy in it, and uh, just a lot of uh, relationship, uh, I think, will be great for us. So girls, don't, don't worry, like, her night is coming uh, this spring, so we're, we're getting that together, too, with some ladies, and they're going to work on that just for the ladies. And another question I've been getting is, hey, what about our marriage conference? Because we usually do our marriage conference uh, at this time in February. Um, and uh, what we're doing this year is we've put it off until May the 20th and 21st, so you can put that on your calendar. But uh, the reason why is because we were able to get uh, Paul Tripp to come and lead that, uh, teach. And if you don't know who he is, um, in, the, in the church world, counseling world, um, uh, marriage world, he's like the Michael Jordan. And so it's going to be incredible. And so if you don't know who he is, it's time to kind of uh, find out. Google him. You'll see his website. A lot of cool stuff. It's going to be awesome. And this place is going to be packed. Um, And so if you are planning on going to that, I encourage you to get registered. It's going to open up this February. And for the first two weeks, it's just going to be for our church. And so after those two weeks, then we're going to open it up to the community. And uh, like I said, it will sell out. So uh, I encourage you guys to register uh, over the next couple of weeks when we open that. Uh, It's 20 bucks a person. And so if you're married, 20 bucks for each of you. And then if you are single, if you're in college, you're thinking about getting married, we want you to come too. If you're at all interested in getting married, uh, you're going to want to be here. And so it's not just for married couples. It's for everybody that's maybe pursuing marriage as well. And so that's why we kind of changed the cost structure as well. So that's May 20th. Put that on your calendar. It's going to be an awesome Friday night, Saturday morning deal. Um, so we're in a series entitled Spent right now, and uh, we've been looking at how when we overextend ourselves financially, it, it, it really makes us be, uh, really feel emotionally overwhelmed. We feel emotionally spent, and uh, the reason we're emotionally spent is because we have financially overspent ourselves, and so that's the series that we're in. We, we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, and uh, the first week, the, the, the very basic principle is that God owns everything, and that's like where we have to start when we think about God's Word, when we think about what it means to be a, a good steward, because if God owns everything, and of course He does, then we understand that that makes us a manager. The Bible calls it a steward. And so we manage his wealth. We, we manage the resources that he has given to us. And, and so if we're a manager, that means we're also accountable. That means we're accountable to the guy that owns everything, which is God. And so one day we're going to give an account for how we have managed the money that he's given to us, the treasures, the resources that he's given to us. And, and so we realized that last week we talked about how not everything we have is all for us. And so all you have is not all for you. We talked about a story in the Bible. Jesus says a, a very foolish man, he had so much stuff that he tore down his barns and he made larger barns to store it all in. And he forgot about eternity. He forgot about the fact that this life is, is just the first part of life Like eternity is much bigger and so Jesus calls him foolish for hoarding all of his wealth and all of his income and not using it for God's kingdom, not using it uh, for uh, storing up treasure in heaven. And so uh, understanding all that, we we move forward today understanding 
uh, really a, a kind of a, a basic, the, the next kind of step of what it looks like to really, truly walk in a manner where we are giving God uh, what he is asking of us. And so I want to get really practical today. And I'll start by talking about what ROI is. You guys have probably heard that in business, in the business world. If, you're, if you own your own business or if you're you know, in a business that kind of uh, wants to grow, wants to make a profit, which I'm sure most of you are, you probably hear the term ROI. That means return on investment. So basically what you do is, you know, you figure out how much that you've truly invested in this product, this company, this whatever, and then, you know, you, you, you measure that based on how much that you actually got from it, how much profit, how much you invested into that, how much profit you made, and then once you determine that percentage, you can kind of begin to understand, okay, all the time, all the energy, all the money that we put into this product um, versus how much we actually made, it was a good investment. Or, no, not worth all of our time, not worth all of our energy, the percentage isn't high enough, so we shouldn't do that again. And so that's a, a really wise business manager. If you own your own business, hopefully you're doing that on a regular basis so that you know what the, 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 the best investment is and what, what the best rate of return you're going to get on whatever product you're trying to sell. And so it's very helpful. Well, if you didn't know this, Jesus actually, I think, teaches us this principle. I mean, I think he, he has this concept in mind um, in many places in the Bible, but especially in Matthew chapter 6, because we understand that what he says here really helps us, you know, begin to make wise investments. Now, this is important because everybody in this room is investing their money into something. Even if you think that you don't have a lot of money, you are investing your money into something. And so let me give a few examples. First of all, some of you are investing in a 401k, uh, some type of mutual fund, and your hope is that as you invest in this 401k, it will grow financially for you so that your return would be when you retire, You've got a little bit of money to live on, and it's going to be a little bit less stressful, and, 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 and so you're investing in that. Some of you are investing into your home, and so that's like the biggest check you write every month, and, and that's your, what you think is a, a, an asset. Uh, we might argue that that's an asset, but I'm not going to get into that. But So when you buy the home, you're paying for the home, and, and, and so you're investing in it. Now, you hope that one day when you sell that home, you're going to make more than what you paid for it. That's the hope, right? That's the idea. Um, but if you were here or you are buying homes in 2008, 2009, you realize that that's not always the case. You bought a home maybe for $200,000, and then after all that jazz happened in, in back in 2009, yada, 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 it was worth one fifty, And so you lost money, and so bad investment, bad return on that investment, right? Some of you are investing in college, right? Your kids are in college, your son, your daughter, and you're hoping that as I invest this money into college, my son or my daughter will get a degree, they'll get a job, and they won't live in a van down by the river, right? <laughs> they won't move back in with me, right? And, and so they'll have their own life, and so that's the hope. Um, some of you are, are investing or have invested in furniture for your home. You've invested in, you know, technology, computers. You've invested in clothes and, and curtains and bedspreads and, yeah, you know, all that jazz. And so the return on your investment is that you've got stuff now that is getting dirty because your dog lays on it and your kids spit up on it. And, and so that's your return. So you want to take a look at all these things that you're investing in. You want to take an honest look. What's our return on this investment? You bought a nice car, awesome the first couple of months, new car, go, new car smell goes away, was it really worth it? I always kind of, you know, scratch my head at guys that love cars. I'm not a car guy, but, you know, you buy these really nice expensive cars, and then you're the one that drives it. So you never get to see yourself, like, in it, right? And so I just don't understand the concept of that. But, but anyway, 
We're all investing our money into something. Some of you guys are investing a lot of money into sports for your kids. And so you're dropping two, $300 every month on travel, sporting equipment, this and that. And, and uh, so you're hoping maybe that your, your return on that investment might be your kids get a scholarship, you know, and play sports in college. You know, that, that's, a, that's an opportunity. Uh, maybe you could just put that money in a 529 plan and then you could send your kids to college and my kids to college, right? If you just invested that and saved up. And, but that's, you know, we'll talk about that if you want to. But, you know, we're all investing our money in something. And so it's not very smart for us not to take a minute to sit back and to say, where's our money going? And what is our return on our investments, right? And so Jesus is not after our money. He wants our heart. And to be able to change the way that we spend our money and and look at our wealth and how we deal with our wealth, We have to understand our heart, and we have to understand that our heart has to trust God. We want to give God everything. We want to trust him with everything, and that includes our finances. Now, there's another group in this room that are investing in eternity. And so you're giving to Foothills Church, and and, uh, God is blessing you. And on January 31st, I'm going to share a lot of of, of cool, exciting things um, and, and talk about the return on your investment from a tangible, like, people's lives being changed. And so be here for that day. It's going to be a great day. But we all invest into something. And so I think it's important for us to hear the words of Jesus. Now, we've heard this a hundred times. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard these verses. And what's, what's difficult for us who, you know, people that come to church often is that we hear, you know, some of these verses and, and we're numb to them. But the verses that I'm about to share with you are so transformational. We don't want to breeze by them. We don't want to say, oh yeah, I, I understand. I've heard that one before. No, we've got, to, we've got to get this. This is so huge. We've got to get this concept because if we don't get this concept, then we're never going to handle our money well. We're never going to be a good manager of what God has given to us. We're never going to hear the words good and faithful servant when we face him. And so we've got to, got to, got to grasp these investment principles. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is powerful. At least two investment principles here. Um, When we're thinking about our return on investment, we've got to understand this. First of all, investments on earth are brief. Investments on earth are brief. He says, look, everything that you invest in from an earthly standpoint, all of your possessions, anything that you would get here on this earth is brief. Look, he's not saying don't invest. He's not saying don't have a 401k. He's not saying don't invest in some stocks, don't invest in some people, and and don't, don't, don't have any investments. Not what he's saying. What he's saying is very foundational. It's, it, it's life changing if you'll grasp it and live through this lens. No matter what you're investing in on earth, it's brief. So if you invested in a new car, it's awesome, right? Maybe it lasts 10, 12 years or however long, depends on what you bought. But you're going to get a new one. You're going to, that one's going to break down. So for a season it was great, but you've got to get a new one. See, nothing that we invest in on this earth lasts. Not even your 401k. Stock markets crash, right? I mean, you know, they always tell us that'll never happen anymore. But I mean, who, I mean who, who can we believe on that? At the end of the day, everything we invest into in this earth 
is brief. It's temporary. Jesus says that clothes will get destroyed, moths will eat it, rust is going to tear it up, or somebody's going to break in and steal it. He says your return on your investment from an earthly standpoint is always going to yield a very brief return. It will not last. And so if that's true, then that we, we need to check ourselves here, right? You know, we've got we've to step back. We've got to think through our budget, our resources, and say, okay, well, nothing here is, is, is going to last forever, right? So anything that I would invest in here would be a brief investment. So I've got to get to the second principle here. What should I do? And the second principle is that investments in heaven last forever. Investments in heaven last forever. He says, instead, I want you to store up treasure in heaven. So again, he's not saying not to invest. He's just saying don't invest in the wrong place. It's okay to invest in the 401k, but don't do that at the expense of investing in eternity. Because what we invest eternally will last forever. When we give to God's kingdom, the investment takes on eternal value. It will exist forever. You'll have a return on that investment that lasts a lifetime. So he's not saying don't invest. He's actually telling us to invest, and he's telling us to store up treasures in heaven. He just simply says, make sure you're not investing in the wrong place. Now, any business-savvy, ROI-type mind in the room would give an amen on that part. All right, Jesus, I like Jesus, right? Yeah, this is CEO Jesus, right? He's coming through, he's making sense now. I get it, I don't wanna invest in a bad thing. I don't wanna invest in a bad deal. We, none of us wanna invest in a bad deal. Matter of fact, if we knew it was gonna be a bad deal, we wouldn't have invested in it. So when it comes to our own personal finances, how do we know? How do we know that we're, we are making a 100% guaranteed investment that will last forever, that will have a return on an investment that will be ours, listen, forever. Let me give you three short principles, very practical today, all right? The first one is this. Give God the first 10% of your gross income. Very simple. You guys have heard the word tithing. The, the very first step to financial peace and freedom in your life is to give to God. Now some of you are like, Bro, that does not make sense. If I'm in debt and I need to get out of debt, how is giving money away going to help me get out of debt? Well, before we ask that question and try to answer it, let's go to what God has asked us to do. And so let's flip over just a couple of pages to the left in the book of Malachi. You don't have to go far. Just take a, a few pages here. Malachi chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. But here, here's God's word to us that explains and teaches what I think is a timeless principle, which is the principle of tithing and giving to God 10% of our income. Here's what he says, verse six, for I, the Lord, do not change. Hey, that's a great, awesome verse, right? God doesn't change. This is good news. If God could change, that means that he could either change for the better or he could change for the worse. If he could change for the better, that means he's not perfect and awesome Right now, if he could change for the worse, then we should be a little bit worried because he might change his mind and he, and, and instead of thinking stealing is wrong, he might say it's okay. Well, the point is, God doesn't change. And then he says this, therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. This is good as well. No matter what debt you find yourself in here today, no matter what financial problem exists in your life, 
You are not consumed. You don't have to live consumed. You don't have to live spent. If you follow God's truth, if you follow his principle here. Verse seven, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. He says, you've walked away from what I've told you to do. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you will say, how shall we return? Yeah, if God were to show up today and said, hey, man, return to me. Your first, request, your first response might be, well, how, how have I not been turning to you, Lord? And then he asked this question, will a man rob God? Of course not. We're not idiots. Look, we've made some bad financial decisions. We've made some mistakes. We've got a little credit card debt. But at the end of the day, God, we're not going to steal from you. That would be dumb, right? He says, yet you are robbing me. And then he says, but you will say, how have we robbed you? He's like, we don't want to rob you, God. And he says very clearly, in your tithes and contributions, or your tithes and your offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you, and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. God's point is, you have walked away from me. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. They've walked away from him financially. They, they stopped giving to God's kingdom. God says, you're stealing from me. You're robbing from me. Remember, it's all his. And he has asked us to show that our treasure is in fact in him by giving that first 10% back to him, showing and proving that, hey, you are in control. We do put you first, God, because we wanna show you that where our treasure is is where our heart's gonna be, which is our heart is with you, God. And he says they've walked away from that. They're robbing him. And he says, return to me. And then he says, look, 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 just put me to the test on this principle. He says, test me out on this. If you test me on this, on this principle of giving, he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing upon you so that there's not going to be any more need. Everybody in the room would say today that you probably have a few financial needs today. And as a result of that, Jesus here, you know, we see all throughout the New Testament, we'll get there, but we see here God saying, when we honor him, we'll have no financial needs. He's going to bless us. He's going to pour out and open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon us. Now, anytime you hear this word, depending on your background, you know, you might respond differently to this. But I'm telling you, the first step to financial freedom in your life is to begin to practice this principle. The word tithe literally means a tenth, 10%. And in the Old Testament here, we see it in Numbers chapter 18. We see it here in Malachi and in, in a handful of other verses. We see this principle being taught by God's word for his people. But in addition to that tenth of that tithe, we see God's people giving even more than that. So people never like to study this part when it comes to finances. But again, the Bible speaks more about finances than it does prayer, belief, or heaven or hell combined. And so, so this is one of those areas we don't always study. But if you did study it, we see the first 10% goes to building the community and for celebrations. But there's another 3.3% that's given to help the poor. And Deuteronomy 14 talks about that. There's another thing called a crop gleaning. Leviticus 19 uh, talks about that percentage that they're supposed to give. And that goes to foreigners and poor people in the community that would need that. 
And then occasionally they were even building projects that they had. One time they built the temple. Another time Nehemiah built the wall around the city. And every time they were building something, they asked the people of God to come forward and to bring um, offerings of gratitude, things that were uh, gifts over and above this percentage. And so it's interesting when you calculate all of this, you know, God's people in the Old Testament were giving anywhere from 20 to 25% of their income, of, of their material wealth, back to God. And so when we think about it in that terms, we see they're, they're giving well above that, and still yet we kind of struggle with that concept, and a lot of people struggle with the idea, saying that, you know, that's Old Testament, and that's like law, and, and so we live under grace, we live in the New Testament, we don't have to abide by that. But let me make a few comments on that. First of all, uh, tithing existed before Moses uh, wrote the law, right? And so Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek, and we see that in Genesis, 20, um, Genesis 14. Later, Jacob, his grandson, gave a tithe to God as well, and that was in Genesis 28. That was 400 years before Moses wrote the words of the law from the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, saying that God's people, it's commanded that we must give 10% back to him. And still yet people might say, well, still it's not in the New Testament. And let's make a few comments about that. First of all, Jesus always took the Old Testament law and he multiplied it. He always raised the standard. He never said, you have heard that it was said not to cheat on your wife, but here's what I say. It's okay every now and then. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you have heard that it is said in the Old Testament in the law, do not commit adultery. And then Jesus says, but I tell you not even to look lustfully at another woman. So he raises the standard. And in the same way, he raises the standard for us in the area of our giving. And I would say even more so in a culture that is as affluent as Americans are today. So I would say that tithing, 10%, is not the ceiling, it's the floor that we stand on. It's the starting point. And then we always seek to, to evaluate where we're at financially, and we always seek to give more because we are under grace, we're not under law. So Jesus makes a comment about tithing in the book of Matthew chapter 23, and I want to read it. He says this to the, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, he calls them hypocrites. Verse 23 of chapter 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and dill and cumin. So he says, you guys are tithing, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. And he mentions these weightier matters. He says, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done. In other words, these, the, the tithing part you should have done without leaving the others undone. So he says, look, you're tithing and you think you're awesome, but man, you're just at the starting point. You should be considering the more difficult, the weightier matters of what it means to trust and follow God, which is love and justice and mercy. These are the things you should be wrestling with. And so to us, not only do we struggle in America with the love and the justice and the mercy part, which Jesus says is weightier, we also struggle with the easy part, the easy part of giving God our first and our best so that he can bless the rest. Our, our, our 10%, a simple percentage that he asked of us to give to him. You see, Jesus had the golden opportunity to abolish tithing. He could have said, look, you tithe and you don't have to do that anymore. But he doesn't. He actually commends it. He says we should do it, but we need to focus on the more weightier matters. And so I, I believe that tithing is a timeless principle. 
It's something that's going to help you give God your first. It's going to give God uh, the glory that is due his name because of the resources that he's given to you. You're going to show him that this is where my heart is. This is where my treasure is. It's to you, God. It's going to lead you down the path of financial freedom and financial peace if you'll follow and trust him. But there, but there are awesome, um, awesome like blessings. When he says, I'm going to open up the floodgates, like relationally speaking, God is generous. You know, God opens doors for us. God provides. He says, you're not going to have any need when you trust me. And so this is a, a, a huge concept. And so to kind of narrow all of this down, here's one statement to take home and to pray through and to think about. Here's one statement to write down. If you're not a note taker, at least write this statement down. God is interested in the percentage, not the amount. God is interested in the percentage, not the amount. You see, there's a group of people in the room that wish that they made more money. They come to church and they give and, and, and they, the amount is lower than they, than they would like it to be. And so they give and they're a little ashamed of what they give. And to you, I would say, no, 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 no. The percentage is what God will honor. The percentage is what your heart is demonstrating. So don't feel bad or, or don't, don't, don't look at that and say, man, you know, we're not doing our part. Oh, absolutely, it doesn't matter what the amount is. What matters to God is the percentage. And on the other side, there's a group of people that, you know, pat themselves on the back for showing up and writing checks because they think, you know, the amount that they gave is amazing. And it could be amazing. It may be awesome. But it's not a very high percentage of what God has blessed you with. And so again, we have to evaluate the number based on our percentage. Because this is what God is after. This is when we stand before him and we are held accountable for the way in which we stewarded his money. This is what he'll be looking for. This is what we want to look at right now. If you've got your Bibles, flip over uh, to Mark chapter 12 because there's a great story in the Bible. Again, probably a story you've heard before, but the principle and the truth that it teaches, it's not something that we can just breeze by. We have to accept it, embrace it, and live by it. Jesus is, he's at the temple and in verse 41 of chapter 12, it says this, he sat down opposite the treasury. And he watched the people putting into the offering box. Let's just pause right there. Picture this. You're at the temple. Jesus is there. And he's watching everyone give their offering. <laughs> I mean, at that point, we would all just kind of be like, oh, crap, Jesus is here at a zero. <laughs> you know, at a zero. Uh, you know, they don't understand who Jesus is. So they're not worried about that at this point. And he's just watching them. Um, what they're doing here. And so, so they're dropping money into the offering box and it says this, many rich, many rich people put in large sums. Many rich people put in large sums. You might expect the ne next verse uh, to be something like this. And Jesus said, blessed are the rich people that put in large sums. Here's what he says in verse 42. He doesn't say that, by the way. He says this, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. Depending on your translation, that might say a mite. It's where we get this, the, the, the term widow's mite. The King James Version translates it a, a, a mite. And then it explains in the ESV, which makes a penny. So, so the, these copper coins were the smallest coinage um, that, they, that they had printed, right? It was, it was a, a, I mean, to our standards, a half a penny. All right, so she gave two small copper coins. She gave a penny essentially. Verse 43, 
And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, he, he, okay, imagine this. This is what discipleship looks like, by the way. If you're a small group leader or you're an aspiring small group leader, this is what it looks like. You're noticing what's taking place around you. And then you say, come here, come here, come here. I want you guys to look at this. This isn't gossip. This isn't about pointing fingers at anybody. This is about learning how to grow and to give your whole heart to God. He says, guys, come here. Everybody look. All right, a lot of rich people, you know, they gave a lot. But did you see that widow? That widow that gave two small copper coins. He says, truly I say to you, that poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had to live on. This is powerful. The principle that we're trying to share this morning is that God is more interested in the percentage than the amount. The rich people given a lot of money don't get any credit. They don't get patted on the back for that. The widow who gave 100%, by the way, not 10%, she gave 100% of what she had to God, trusting that he would bless, trusting that, he, that she would get fed, trusting that every need that she had would be fulfilled. Learn from the widow. When I was in Israel, you know, they try to sell everything over there, you know, try to make money off the tourists and stuff. And one of the things was coins. Um, you know, people love, love coins. And, and so one of the coins that they, all, they always were, were selling was the widow's mite. Two, you know, these two copper coins, the widow's mite is what they called it. And so this coin was a copper coin from the days of Jesus. And, and, and they were rare, but people seemed to have them, you know, in different places trying to sell them. And so, you know, I wanted one of those things. I thought it was cool. I thought, man, the next time I talk about it on Sunday morning, I'll be like, and here's the widow's mite, and everybody look, this is amazing. You know, I thought it'd make a cool little illustration. But, but so I go in, and, and I might still do it. I might have it in my pocket, so don't get worried. But um, anticipation. Um, so, so I go up to this one guy, and I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I want one. And, and so he's like, oh, I make you a good deal. I make you a good deal. I'm like, all right, I've heard that before. And so, so he starts explaining the whole story, the widow's mind. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that, you know. And, and he, he explains the, who's on the coin and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I make you a good deal. I make you a good deal. And I was like, all right, how much? He said, $700. I was like, bro, I don't care if that's Jesus' mind. I'm not paying $700 for that. So I didn't get one, so sorry about that. But you can Google it and you can look at it yourself. But... I just thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. You know, here, the, the point of Jesus' story here is that, you know, she gave all she had. She, she gave hardly anything, but it, it was amazing. And now people are making $700, $1,000 or more off of this coin. It's just, that's just our world, right? That's just kind of where we're at. And, and so the ideal for us is that God is more interested in the percentage, not the amount. So, the first 10% goes to God. The second 10%, if you're taking notes, goes to you. Congratulations. The second 10% should go to a savings account. It should go to your 401ks. If you're giving God what belongs to him and your conscience is clear on what you're giving to him, then I would say, you know, that percentage can be even more. Whatever, however God has blessed you to invest and in, 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 in to uh, put into the savings account, to put it into your 401k and make investments. This is a wonderful thing. God would say, do this. This is, this is all right remembering that the starting point is 10%, and then as God blesses, we want to seek to give more, and when our conscience is clear on that, then we can begin to do all these other things. But the, uh, the reality is, 
One in five of you in this room do not have a savings account. And so let me speak to you for just a moment. Um, this, this is a, a staggering statistic that comes from the American Savings Education Council. Um, and I, I, I'm almost convinced that it may be even higher. People living paycheck to paycheck. And so if that is in fact you, I, and I, when I'm counseling people financially in this area, one of the first things I ask them, because I want to get to the heart of the issue, who are you working for? Like, why do you get up in the morning and go to work? And I mean, nine times out of ten, it's, it's my family. I'm going for my kids, my wife, you know, I'm going, I'm going to provide. And like, okay, well, how much are you in debt? Well, we got eight grand in credit cards. We have the house. We have these two cars, you know, and then we have this other line of equity, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, unfortunately, you're not going to work for your family. You're going to work for Visa. You're working for Uncle Sam. <laughs> if you were working for your family, then you would be investing wisely so that you could take care of them financially. If you were to die today and you left your children or your spouse with credit card debt and this kind of debt and that kind of debt, bad investment, bad investment, not good stewardship. So the great news is, <laughs> I can hear a pin drop in here. The great news is you can begin to change this. You can begin to give God what he requires and then you can begin to give yourself a little bit extra. Now, if you're in debt, here's what I would say. If you're in debt, instead of giving that 10% to you, Dave Ramsey would suggest that you save up $1,000 in your savings account and then you begin to aggressively attack all of your debt. Because if you're in debt, especially credit card debt, you're paying 18, 19, 20% on your credit cards. Like if all you do is pay the minimum, it might take you 30 years to overcome that and to pay that off. And so you've got to be aggressive. Take the smallest account or the smallest debt and begin to aggressively take it down. Uh, Dave Ramsey calls it the debt snowball. You can go online on our spent page and I, um, I explain it in a short little video. But essentially, if you bought a house that you can't afford and, and, and because of that house you can't pay off your, your, your credit card and all these other debts, sell it. If you've got cars that you can't afford, sell them. Craigslist ought to be your favorite resource. Like get rid of this stuff so that you can get rid of your debt and then you can begin to start building your wealth. All giving God what he deserves and what he's asked us to give. The bottom line is you cannot seek the kingdom of God with all of your heart if you are racking up credit card debt and not paying them off. You can't serve God in money. It's just a reality. But the great news is you can change. You can change. So the snet, uh, uh, snowball goes into effect. And then once you begin to aggressively get that debt under control, um, you sell some stuff. Maybe you go to financial peace because there's a whole big idea and concept around all of this that's going to make you stronger and healthier as you go through it financially. But then you automate the process. You need something that helps you um, uh, not make mistakes. So the greatest thing to help you not be tempted and not to say, ah, let's change this or, or ah, let's spend it on th th this, uh, this, this week instead of you know, where it needs to go. Instead of that, you automate the process. And so by that, I mean, okay, you go to Visa card and you, all right, here's what we're gonna pay every month on this card to pay it off. It might take us two years to do this, but this is what we're gonna pay. This is the plan that we're on. And then it just comes out of your account every month. Here's what we give to the church. Here's what we give to God. We go online, we set up, that, set up that account every week or every month. It comes out, we give to him first. We don't even, we're not even tempted. We're not even tempted. My wife and I don't have to argue about it. We've already decided this is what we're gonna do. 
So we set that up. We set up our payments. Then you might even go to your boss and say, hey, instead of direct depositing all of my check into my checking account, I want you to put this amount of money in my savings account. That way you don't even look at it. You don't even see it. And so you don't even have to, there's still the temptation to transfer. But if you're, if you're smart and you hold each other accountable, you know, it's so much easier. And then listen, when you set it up, when you have a plan, you have just entered a little bit. You, you've just experienced a little bit more of what it means to be financially free. Because now you're not stressed. you got a plan. We're going to get out of debt. We are getting out of debt. We've got a plan. It's going to take us a couple years, but we're attacking it. We're selling stuff. We're, we, we've got it automated. We're giving. We've we put God first. We've made some dumb decisions. Just because you've made dumb decisions doesn't mean God demands what he demands. Fair? Right? So we're going to give to him. We're going to give to our debt. We're going to overcome this, and we're going to move forward. And we have a plan, and we're not as stressed. It's huge. Give God what he deserves. Give to yourself, and then automate it. Now, this is a little side note here, but the government learned this really, really quickly. They, back before 1943, the government used to wait on everybody to pay their taxes once a year in the spring. Well, they quickly discovered that we're not very good at budgeting. You know, most people didn't have the money to pay their taxes at that point. And so they said, okay, we'll fix this. We'll automate it. 1943, it started coming right out of their check, right? So we give to Uncle Sam before we even give to ourselves in most cases. And so, or to God or to anybody else. And so that 20%, 27%, whatever that percentage is for you, you know, we're, we're giving it, it's automated. See, it's, it's just a wise, smart thing to do. Technology has allowed us to do this. I encourage you to take that step. And then finally, number three, we budget the remaining 80%. In other words, you live off of 80%. Now, I say that to people, and they laugh at me. We can't live off of 80%. We can barely live off 100%. And that's just evidence, you know, that's just evidence to the fact that so many of us are so wrapped up into a cultural understanding of money. We're so wrapped up with debt. We're so wrapped up into material possessions that we don't think we can live off that percentage of money. So, so that's a hard issue. You can do it. It's not easy. Hey, I'm telling you, it's not easy. You know, we make mistakes as well along that journey, but we strive to do that. Why? Because I want to, first and foremost, I work and serve for my Savior, and then my family comes second. And so I want to build that and share that so that they will be blessed in the future. And when you budget the remaining 80%, essentially you're telling your money where to go instead of your money telling you where it's going to go. And so we, we make this commitment, we automate it, we, we make it simplified because Jesus says you can't serve God and money. So we're gonna make a plan. We're gonna put him first. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is gonna be. So I'm gonna put him first in that. I'm gonna honor him first and foremost in that. I'm gonna get wise about my money. I'm gonna get smart about my money. Some of you need to go to financial peace. Some of you need to start reading books on this. This is a big deal. And so next week, we decided after teaching this for four weeks, you know, next week will be week four, we're gonna give what we call the 90-day challenge. So I wanted to share it with you, get you prepared and ready for next Sunday. Um, The 90-day challenge is simply this. We've done this in the past before. God has done some amazing, amazing things. And the 90-day challenge is that for 90 days, I'm gonna ask everyone in this room to give at least 10% of their income. And at the end of that 90 days, if you don't believe that God has opened up the floodgates, if you don't believe he's come through on his part, then at the end of that 90 days, if you really believe that, then we, we as a church will give everything that you gave back to you. Why? 
because it's not about money. It's about your heart. So I dare every one of you, this is the challenge, to go home today and figure out what percentage you are giving. And then figure out what 10% looks like in your life. I think if you'll do that, that'll be the first step to financial freedom from some of you. That, that, that it's the greatest thing you could ever do. And as we close today, um, I've asked the band to come out and sing a song. We sang a lot of songs today about trust because trusting God financially is the issue here, right? Trusting God is, is, is what we're struggling with in the area of our finances. And so it's this idea that we've got to trust him in this area and, and, and believe that he's going to come through on his promises. He's going to come through in this area of our life. And as we, as we allow him to, to come through on his promises, our faith grows. Now, now hear me just really as a pastor that loves you, that loves this church, that, that cares deeply for your heart and your family. Like we want to share everything God's word teaches. And this is not always easy in some cases. This steps on a lot of toes. Finances are a personal issue. But we say this and we teach this because we believe this and because we ourselves are, are living this. And it's not because, you know, anything's going wrong in the church or anything like that. Like, in all, for all intents and purposes, everything is going well. But I will say that our attendance has gone and our giving has gone you know, it's got like, it's kind of like even. So it has grown some, but not at the rate as our attendance. And so it's a maturity issue. I mean, the, the, the reality is there's a large group of people in this room that if you did this and you began to give 10%, like the building would start tonight. <laughs> we wouldn't have to even, you know, pray about it or think about it. We would just be like, oh yeah, obviously we've got plenty of God's blessing. And yeah, this is because we know that's the next step. But it, the, the prayer for us is, is, is the timing. And so we never want to outpace the giving of the church and, the, and, and, and how fast the, you, know, you guys want to go and you guys want to serve and you guys want to commit. And so we wait, we patiently teach, and uh, we trust that God's going to do it in his timing. And so, so this is part of what that looks like for us as a church. And so as we close today, they're going to sing this song. I want to um, ask you to, just to hear from God's voice, just to, just to pray through this issue. Uh, to go home today and start striving you know, to do what God's asking you to do. And as I pray, ushers, you guys can, can get in position and, and uh, we'll collect our offering today and we'll respond to God's word today um, by giving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and we want to embrace the reality that the percentage is important. And we need to determine what that percentage is we don't want to be flippant about it. We don't want to be um, haphazard about it. We want to be sincere because we want to serve you to the best of our ability. And Lord, I just pray that as couples go home, there won't be arguments as much as there'll just be some great conversation around this topic and around this issue. Help us to rally around the gospel, to rally around the kingdom of God. And to realize, like if we want to have an investment with a powerful return, that means that we are investing in the kingdom of God. How we get there, Lord, we pray you'll guide us. We pray we'll trust you. It's not like you can't provide. The reality is we just struggle with the 
the concept of trusting you. And so, Lord, bless us today, encourage us, strengthen us to be brave and bold, to give to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.